Support for this podcast comes from Simply IOA. Still purchasing your home and auto insurance the old way? The complicated way? Ugh! Try the Simply way. Simply IOA search trusted insurance companies to find you the best price for your home and auto insurance. Compare quotes and buy a policy online or over the phone. Search Simply IOA or call 844-TALK-TO-SIMPLY. Simply IOA. Insurance the Simply way. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of The Casual Criminalist. I, as always, am your host. I'm Simon, and what happens here is Callum has written me a script. I have it right in front of me right here. It's Kuno Hoffman, the Vampire of Nuremberg. And I'm going to look up the pronunciation of Kuno because he's the main character today. And I might not always look up the pronunciations, but I like to for the main characters. Kuno. I'm guessing it's a German name because this is set in Nuremberg. In Germany. Kuno. Okay. Kuno. Kuno. Close enough. Uh, So Callum has written this to me. I'm going to read it. We'll learn about the Vampire of Nuremberg together. And then Jen is going to make it sound beautiful with some sounds. And if you watch the video version, you get pictures and everything. But if you're listening on audio, well... You don't, but that's okay. I'll paint a picture with Callum's words. If you want to leave this show a review, that would be fantastic. If you want to leave this show a five-star review, that would be double fantastic. Let's jump in, because a good podcast gets to the point quickly. A five-star podcast gets to the point really quickly, so that's what we're going to do eventually, like now. Throughout 1971, graveyards and mortuaries in the West German countryside were plagued with a string of horrific defilements. A mysterious menace was digging bodies out of the ground in the dead of night, often just a few days after they were laid to rest by their families. When the groundskeeper arrived in the morning, they would find the bodies abandoned and mutilated. Deep bite marks made it look like the aftermath of a vicious animal attack, but this was even worse. The corpses were often sexually violated, sometimes even decapitated. The maniac's habit of drinking the blood from fresh cadavers soon landed them a nickname the vampire of nuremberg aren't bodies like filled with embalming fluid which is with formaldehyde which is a poison right how long can you survive by drinking that it's literally put in dead bodies to keep them like preserved maybe they didn't do that anyway nobody's caught sight of this necrophiliac dracula for over a year despite their terrifying prolificness they racked up 35 unsanctioned exhumations across that time and that's just the ones we know about holy sh- then in, that's like two or three a month. Good lord. Then in May 1972, cemetery warden George Warmoth came in to work to find an unexpected visitor getting a little too familiar with one of the cadavers in the morgue. It was the vampire kissing the lips of a recently deceased young woman. The disheveled, greasy head man stopped when Warmoth walked in and drew a pistol from his coat pocket. A single gunshot only lightly warned, wounded Warmoth, giving the vampire of Nuremberg time to escape. Grave Circumstances So who exactly was this quirky little ghoul who narrowly dodged being captured that day? He went by a different name in his everyday life, Kuno Hoffmann, a deaf-mute laborer from another part of Bavaria. By day, he worked at... I feel like being deaf when you're digging up bodies in the middle of the night is going to be a disadvantage, because one thing I'd definitely be doing if I was digging up bodies in the middle of the night is listening for people nearby. By day, he worked irregular factory jobs, and by night, he rode around on his red moped, hopping the fences of graveyards to satisfy his sick desires. Had you stumbled across him during one of his earlier expeditions, you'd have been traumatized for life. 
Kuno treated the obituary section of the paper like the romantic personals, noting down the date and location of the funeral. He preferred to catch his victims while they were in the morgue. He managed to steal the keys to several of them. However, if he couldn't find an opportunity for some alone time before the burial, he'd bring along a shovel and do it the hard way. You psycho, what are you up to? Once he had the victims where he wanted them, he proceeded to mutilate them with razors and a knife. He would also bite into their skin, eating pieces of flesh, and drinking whatever blood remained, and usually sexually abusing the female victims. Often he finished by sawing off the head or cutting out the heart. Like I said, it's pretty traumatic stuff. I instantly find this less traumatic when it's dead bodies. I know it's kind of it, it's sick and disgusting in its own special way, but it's like it it's it's at least he's not murdering them. <laughs> Can we take some comfort in that? I mean it's still good lord. Making a murderer. And it's crossed out. <laughs> Wow, I didn't know this. It's got like double crossed out, which I didn't even know was a font option. How about that? A murderous crossed out is written making a creepy sex vampire. <laughs> you surely have to be utterly deranged to set off on a cannibalistic spree of grave robbing. So what motivated this German factory worker to become the region's most feared maniac? I mean, is there really going to be... I'm, I'm going to be very surprised if there's actually a motivation. It's going to be... The motivation is he's got a f***ed up brain. That's... uh, uh, Okay. Fukuno, it all started in childhood. He was born in 1931, the son of an unbelievably abusive ex-con who beat him senseless from a young age. And ah, look, childhood abuse. The casual criminalist's old friend right here, rearing its ugly head. What a surprise. One report claims that at just one years old, Kuno was hung from a window frame and used as a punching bag. Good lord. Not long after, he was tied in a sack and thrown away outside. It was actually his father's incredible cruelty that rendered Kuno deaf and mute. He lost his hearing at a young age after one of the beatings. That is insane. As a father of a young child, I just don't understand how that is possible. Like, I just don't get it. It just doesn't compute. Understandably, the constant terror of those early days made him quite a nervous child. He struggled in school both socially and academically and left with zero qualifications. Nothing ever seemed to go right for the poor guy. His developmental problems and disabilities meant he never had any hope in romance and every career he tried fell apart miserably. Frustrated with his loss in life, Kuno entered into a life of petty crime, which went just about as well as everything else. In his 20s, he was arrested for theft and was incarcerated for much of his adult life. All in all, he spent the next nine years behind bars. Much of this was spent bouncing around various mental institutions and racking up an impressive 12 escapes over the years. Finally, something he was good at. Yeah, but it's easier to escape from a mental institution, right? I mean, they're generally not as secure as a prison. You just wander off. But escape wasn't the only thing on his mind throughout those long, lonely years inside. Kuno was determined to turn his life around once and for all after his final release. He dedicated himself to extensive reading, cooking up a plan to find love, get healthy, make friends, and influence people on the outside. The only problem was that his taste in self-help literature was niche, to say the least. The Necrophile's Handbook Please don't tell me there is actually a book called... Who who would publish this? Somehow he was able to get his hands on occult spellbooks. Okay, who would publish those? But I'm sure they exist. Which I don't think have any place in a prison library, quite frankly. Yes, or it's certainly not in a mental institution or something like that. What is going on? It's like we have to respect all people's beliefs, so we have the occult books in the prison library. No, no we don't. We shouldn't respect everyone's beliefs. <laughs> that sounds like a crazy thing to say, but like... These spell books, it's just fiction. 
I mean, well, so is a lot of religion. But this is like... Is that appropriate? Can I say that? It just doesn't feel right that those should be in a prison library. Are people going to be like, Simon, it's 2021. Wake up. Wake up. Respect it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't even know anymore. I say Spellbook when they were really advertised themselves as a cult science. I must have missed this day in high school chemistry because their version of science included black magic rituals that promised to make the performer rich, handsome, popular, whatever their heart desired. Okay. Well, that sounds real. Uh, a bit like that book, The Secret, just marginally less bull. <laughs> yeah the secrets are going i read that um mostly out of curiosity and as i like, put all this positive in, and and look i think did i mention it on this show before i've definitely mentioned it on one of my other shows whereas like, my feeling with the secret is like there's this whole part of the book where they're like if you want something put a poster of it up on the wall so if you want you know a, a car whatever then put a picture of that car up on the wall and you'll see it and i'm like yeah that makes sense because you'll be motivated. You'll be like, see that car? I really like that car. I'd like that car. I'm going to get to work on earning some money to pay for that car. Makes sense. Perfectly logical. However, then they get into this whole part where they say, well, you're putting out these energies into the world and they all push like all of these photons or whatever are pushing towards you towards this and they're pushing this car and they're making it real. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? You were talking about something totally reasonable and now you're talking about me manifesting a car with my mind no 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 i'll manifest the hard work and the money which will purchase said car right the secret what's up sorry rant over let's get back to the point so far it all sounds harmless enough how many people out there still believe in astrology when it comes to romance lots gallon lots but the content not me but lots. The content of these rituals is where things get very dark very quickly. The books claims that all you have to do is get a hold of some dead bodies, carve them up, drink their blood, have sex with them, and then everyone will want to be with you. Okay! Sounds reasonable. Who can resist the charisma of an accomplished necrophile? Indeed. Kuno threw himself into these books wholeheartedly and was determined to strike up a deal with the devil after his release. In 1971, the 40-year-old moved in with his sister in Nuremberg and started digging up graves in the spring. However, the effects were underwhelming shocking. Kudo was still unattractive, still unpopular, still unable to hear. His satanic crime spree was failing to make all of his wishes come true. Again, shocking. <laughs> Rather than accept that the rituals were a load of nonsense, he deduced that the victims must not have been fresh enough for the spells to work. Of course, that's it. After all, the initial victims were long deceased with little flesh or blood left to consume. <laughs> no! That's when our vampire started scanning through the obituaries for newly deceased targets and procured a set of keys to a morgue. For the rest of 1971 and early 1972, he, room he roamed the Nuremberg countryside, defiling dozens of corpses. This would eventually lead to his running with the cemetery warden from before. Around one year after Kuno Hoffman started his ghoulish grave-robbing rituals, the police were finally onto his trail fresh victims. Before they could catch him, though, Kuno wanted to up the ante and get the freshest bodies possible. Maybe they would finally give his spells the potency they needed. To do that, he went on the hunt for living vic- No, don't- Oh, no. I mean, the necrophile body carve-up, cutting the heads off, is insane. But like we said before, I, I took a little bit of comfort in at least he's not killing everyone. And now, uh, anyone. And now he's it seems like he's definitely going to kill some people. So, uh, brilliant. 
Francis Marcus Adler and Ruth Lissy were parked uh, 24 and 18, their ages respectively, were parked by the side of a country road when the Nuremberg vampire came across them on his moped not long after the incident at the morgue. He stopped a little further down the road and walked silently to the back of the car. The couple were napping inside and awoke as he crept up to the driver's side window. He shot them dead and drank their blood from the fresh gunshot wounds. He lingered at the scene long enough to sexually violate and cannibalize the young woman. Dude, no, what are you up to, you... Said again, you psycho. After that, a gamekeeper from a nearby estate saw him walking away from the car suspiciously. The man went to investigate, found the couple dead, and called the police. With two confirmed sightings, it looked like it was game over for the German Tomb Raider. Arrest and Aftermath by this point, Nuremberg police had already interviewed the cemetery warden Warmoth, who got a good look at the amorous vampire before being shot at. The call from the gamekeeper matched his description, adding that the killer rode a red moped and wore a distinctive leather hat and sunglasses. Yes, things you don't want to be when you're out killing. Distinctive. This helped make a positive ID on Kuno Hoffman, who was arrested on May the 10th at the factory where he worked. He was in the middle of tendering his resignation. It's thought he was planning to go on the run. After his capture, the cops had to bring in the sign language interpreter to get his story. He never even tried to deny what he did. In fact, he plied the officers for sympathy, telling that all he wanted was love. His chronic loneliness drove him to desperate measures. The officers are going to be like, what are you talking about? And they'll be like, check out this occult book I read. And the officers will be like, dude... No! I mean, I've had some dry spells in my time, mate, but not once have I considered gnawing on a dead person so Satan can find me a girlfriend. Yes, Callum. But you are correct in the head. Our friend Kuno, our friend Kuno, <laughs> our psychopath Kuno is not. Apparently, he even believed that mixing a dead woman's blood with his own could bring her back from the dead to be with him. Dude, you tried it many times. It didn't work, did it? Christ, Kuno, and then what? You're going to introduce her to your family? Hey guys, this is my girlfriend, Katie. Yes, she's a literal reanimated corpse, but don't say anything. She's quite sensitive about it. But sadly, poor Kuno never did get the corpse bride of his dreams. Also, you murdered her. She's going to wake up and be like, oh, I love you. What is... No. <laughs> Just no. Understandably, the question of insanity came up during the aspiring necromancer's trial. Yeah, he is insane. He's dead... He was in and out of mental institutions, right? And he believes all of... He's insane. This is a strong defense. And he needs to go to a high-security mental institution or something. Otherwise, he, ne he needs some sort of treatment, right? His defense team wanted the vampire of Nuremberg confined to an insane asylum for life, but the prosecution was having none of it. Kuno was canny enough to travel around various towns to commit his crimes and often planned them methodically. Deranged, God, yes. Insane, no. I mean, he can be planning his crimes and stuff and still be insane, no? Am I out of line here? Doesn't he seem insane? Instead of an asylum, Kuno was sentenced to life behind bars. His last request to the jailers before being transferred to federal prison was for one last sip of virgin's blood. Okay, let's just move on from that, shall we? Because this is the wrap-up. That's a fitting end to such a glory tour of cannibalistic depravity, I think. It's hard to find any redeeming angle on a cannibalistic necrophile. Uh... Also, double murderer, but the traumatic childhood that he had to endure at least gives us an understanding of how he came to be that way. Undiagnosed learning disorders and severe maladjustment resulted in twisted psychology. According to his delusional logic, eating and molesting the dead was his ticket to a normal life, which I find is rarely the case. Uh, agree. 
I agree, Cameron. But, by the way, if anyone out there is considering using dark magic to boost your lackluster love life, there are plenty of things that you could try first. Mix up your fashion style. Start a new hobby. Visit a singles bar. <laughs> Any of these things. There are apps for this, I hear. And then, if none of that works, I guess you can start dabbling in a bit of light Satanism. Just keep it family-friendly, please. Or just don't, because none of it works. It's all nonsense. Please just stop. Dismembered Appendices Number 1. There's a mention of Hoffman killing a third victim in a lot of the English-language versions of this story online. However, in the few original sources out there, only the young couple are mentioned. I'll go out on a limb and say that the shooting of the cemetery warden got a little lost in translation. He did make a full recovery. Good. Number two. The story of the vampire of Nuremberg made its way into Swiss cinema in 1977's low-budget gore flick Bloodlust, or if you prefer the catchy original title, Mosquito the Molester, Mosquito de Shander. Mosquito the Molester works great in English, better than Mosquito de Shander. Why are they changing? I guess Bloodlust is, I don't know, more low-budget movie sounding, isn't it? It features a deaf-mute accountant who drinks the blood of the dead through a glass straw. Oh my. This has been an episode of The Casual Criminalist. I do hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, that is not the right word. This was horrific. Uh, please do consider leaving this podcast, if you're listening to it as a podcast, a fantastic five-star review. Wherever you listen to these shows, if you're on YouTube, you know what to do. Subscribe, like, dislike, if you are so inclined. And thank you for watching. Or listening, if you listen as a podcast. Great stuff. <laughs>